Last year's games against Utah were, uh, shall we say, forgettable for Oregon football. This year, the game comes at home. Is that going to be enough to change the tide and get a win over the Utes? We'll discuss. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. This is the second to last episode that is being recorded well in advance. Today is August 2nd, but the matchup, of course, not going to change. This is dropping on August 19th. Thank you for with me. I promise I'll be back soon. Uh, as you listen to this, I'm currently in uh, Southern Oregon, actually, at my cabin in Lake of the Woods, a wonderful, wonderful place. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm joined today on the show by our host of Locked On Utes here at uh, the network. JT Wistersill is his name. And talking about the Utes, be his game. And of course, you can't do a game preview uh, without having him on. JT, I don't know if I've had you on Locked On Ducks before now. And uh, if my memory is not failing me, as it often does, let's say it isn't. Welcome to the show. Yeah, first time on the show. Excited to be on. I mean, I know we're supposed to be enemies, right? But I do genuinely really like this Oregon team. As people who listen to the Locked On Pac-12 podcast will learn. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i very high in Utah as well. And I've got no animus towards uh, the Utes, even though they curb stomped uh, the Ducks a couple times last year. I was down at the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas and... Uh, look, I wish the game had gone differently and been competitive for longer, but if my team's going to get routed, that was the most fun uh, group of fans that I could be surrounded by. So I, I've uh, definitely got a great level of respect there. And these are two teams that figure to be two of the favorites in uh, the, the Pac-12 in 2022 in uh, what could be the two year, final two years of the conference, potentially, or at least as we know it. But we're putting that aside. We're focusing on the game that comes later in the year. And I think that's what, what makes part of this matchup so interesting is, you know, early in the season, a team might not be clicking or firing on all c- cylinders, but the most well-coached football teams at the collegiate and professional level, they play their best football at the end of the year when, you know, they start to work out the kinks and figure out, you know, who plays well where and just kind of, you know, let everything, let the dust settle a little bit as you embark on a new season. And Kyle Whittingham's teams are certainly no different in uh, that sense. You and I, oddly enough, are, are on opposite sides of uh, this game, but not in the way that, that you would think. This game being played at Autzen Stadium how do you, as a Utah fan, uh, see this one playing out, broadly speaking, for a Utah team that is the preseason Pac-12 favorite and uh, I think will repeat as Pac-12 champs? Yeah, and I, I feel that way about Utah as well. I think they will repeat as Pac-12 champs. But as you and I were talking about before we started recording, Spencer, it is so hard to go undefeated during a college football season. It's why only Alabama, LSU that one year when they had Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow's proven he can do anything pretty much. Uh, Clemson can Clemson can do it. Exactly. Yeah, with Trevor Lawrence. That's it. 
some of those guys, the rarest of the rare. So you're always going to lose some games as well. So while I, I am super high on this Utah team, and I actually think they come into this game undefeated, I feel like this is the one they stumble on because this is going to be a really good Oregon team. I know Dan Lanning hasn't been a head coach before, but I think he is a, going to do a phenomenal job. We know what he's going to bring on the defensive end as well. And I feel like he's just going to do a really good job of leading this program. Bo Nix is one of those quarterbacks. Some days it's a good day. Some days it's not a good day. I feel like this is one of those big time games where he's going to have a nice performance. And whether it's because of a special teams mistake, something that's cost Utah a lot in the past, whether it's a fumble, something that's always detrimental, especially early on last year, that was something that really plagued the youths or a rare interception or bad game by Cam Rising. All these things are possible and just hard to keep up every week of the season. And I just see that storm in Eugene. I feel like it's going to be a night game between two top 15 teams and I think this is where we see the youths falter and the Ducks get them this day the stage should be set for a showdown of the two biggest teams in the Pac-12 that that are going to at least at this point in time be in the Conference of Champions in 2024 again we're recording this in early August so uh, maybe something has changed there's 17 days between uh, now and when this episode will uh, go live and such uh, but going back to uh, the Utah team that they have coming into this year, a lot of returning starters on both sides of the ball. Some notable losses to Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell on defense. You lose Britton Covey from uh, the offense and the return game as well. He's been a thorn in the duck side, had that uh, punt return at the end of the half in Salt Lake City last year. That was uh, kind of the, the moment where it really hit me that, oh, yeah, no, Oregon's not winning this game. It's not going to happen. And I don't even know what that was at the end of the half. I'm trying not to relive it, uh, but I'm sure it'll come up again here on, on the episode. But how do you assess Utah's offense? You have Cam Rising, Tavion Thomas, first team all Pac-12 performers in 2021. They're back. You got a couple of returners on uh, the offensive line as well. Brant Keithy projects to be maybe a, a first team all Pac-12 tight end. I think there are a lot of good tight ends in the Pac-12 this year, but Keithy is certainly one of them. Dalton Kincaid, uh, another offensively for the Utes. How do you feel about the unit that, that Kyle Whittingham has coming into 2022? I feel great. I think this unit is going to be awesome. I think they have a chance to be one of the most productive offenses in Utah's history. I mean, you look at it, Tavion Thomas broke the touchdown record last season. And there's a young guy named Jalen Glover who could come up and upseat him. But if you look at terms of there's more stability along the offensive line, I feel like going into the season than there was last year, you returned four guys who started at least four games from a season ago. So, yes, you lose some guys like Nick Ford. But, I mean, whenever we had an injury along the offensive line, the guy who's going to be starting at center now for the Utes, Paul Miley, he came in at center and they moved Ford over to guard. And the guy that Ford was replacing is also back. So this is an experienced offensive line with guys who are capable of playing all over the offensive line. And I think they're set there. We already talked about – you mentioned Cam a little bit. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country I really do believe that. I'm not saying he's one of the strongest arms, but he just gets things done. He always he's just effective. He's absolutely extremely accurate. He can get it done with his legs. One of the best leaders in college football, Coach Whittingham at Pac-12 Media Days, called him the one of the best leaders he's ever been around. And when that's a compliment coming from a guy who's one of the longest tenured coaches in the nation, regardless of sport, honestly, at this point. So it really is an incredible compliment to him. You already talked about the tight ends. Brant Keith, he's a guy who's been first team all Pac-12 
a lot of years now, and I think he'll have a chance to do it again. But you get a guy in Dalton Kincaid who I think is going to be a second-round draft pick as well. So tight end depth, loaded. Got a couple guys at running back. We already talked about Tavion, his phenomenal vision, something that Oregon fans are familiar with after he runner up Shaw on them a few times last year. And I think there's a couple guys at receiver, whether it's Devon Vele, Solomon Enos, or Makai Cope as well. These are guys I think that are going to have strong seasons. I think we're going to see better overall receiver productions. I know they lost Britton Covey, but a lot of the guys coming back are better by a year. So I think they're going to be better. And I think Devon Vele is the real breakout name to watch here. Him and Cam Rising had a great connection in the spring. So it's going to be hard to stop this Utah offense. I truly believe that. They want to run the ball first as always, but I do believe, I don't think it's a team that can drop back three downs in a row and beat you every single time. But I think if they, if there's a two minute drill that needs to happen, I have confidence in Cam Rising and these pass catchers to execute it. So it's going to be tough to stop this Utah offense. Yeah, the Ducks picked him off once or twice in that Pac-12 championship game, but the most impressive part about that for me was that he was just not phased by it at at all in that opening drive. He was really impressive, and in that game in Salt Lake City, he was sharp as well. Like You just look at what he does, and... He rarely makes that that big mistake. And even the interception that, that he threw, you know, it wasn't deep in his own territory. It wasn't a pick six like what Anthony Brown tossed and, and you know, kind of gifted the Utes there uh, in that first quarter. Gosh, I'm trying to erase the memory of that throw, but it was just You're so bad. that Anthony Brown. I know you are. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's true. There's one more question I want to ask you about the Utah receiving core, but I want to tell you all about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. If you wanted to bet this game between Oregon and Utah on either side, Bet Online is the place to go. Your number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, Go Mariners, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live and game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action taking place. BetOnline, where the game starts. The question I have for you, JT, about the Utah receiving core, you mentioned some of the names who, who might step up. Uh, in the general sense. But when I think of Britton Covey, I think of the kick returns first because that's what he's so good at. But you shouldn't undersell you know, how, how good he was as a wide receiver. But to me, every time Utah lined up last year on third down and rising was in the gun and you knew they had to go to the air or they were likely going to, I was looking over the field and saying, all right, where's number 18? You, you got to cover number 18 here because that's where he's looking to. Who do you feel could be that sort of guy that Rising is relying on in third down situations or just someone who you know is it probably not going to beat you for a 30, 40 yard touchdown over the top. will probably run everything within 15 yards or, or so of the line of scrimmage, but it's going to be a really good route runner. Got those quick feet and it's just reliable as well. Who do you think that could be? Well, I'll say this. I do think, as we kind of talked about before, Rising's guy this year is an 18. It's actually one number lower. So it's number 17, Devon Vele, I think will be his main guy. But I think defenses are going to start to realize that, especially that's one of the things we got to remember about this game. It's November 19th. That's over three and a half months away from right now. So, so much can still happen during the season that I think by this point, it's Devon Vele is going to be breaking out and people will be aware of him. I think the guy to look for is Solomon Enos. He's a lot bigger than Cubby was, but he's the veteran now. He's been really getting after it, made a lot of improvements. He knows, understands how to find those soft spots against zone. I do think he's 
a strong route runner with good hands as well. I really think he's going to be a security blanket when you're worried about, in terms of the top three pass catchers, it's going to be Vele, it's going to be Keithy, and it's going to be Kincaid. So those are the guys you want to worry about first, and I still think they're going to catch a large number of third downs. But I really believe when things get tough sometimes, he's going to look to Solomon a lot of times and go, I know everyone's looking at these other guys but i really trust solomon enos to be able to get open here and make a tough catch as you often do with those veteran guys by the way i, I realize we're about 12 minutes into the episode and i i don't think i stated at the front as i uh, maybe should have here i don't think oregon is going to win this game and jt does uh so i want to talk about that now and and kind of why you feel that way um and then we'll kind of get to the Utah defense, which gave Oregon so many fits in the two games last year, 17 points in two games combined, one of which was a garbage time touchdown in the Pac-12 championship game, to which I remarked to my friend, well, good thing we scored, or it might have been embarrassing. Uh, you know, it was just not a very, very good day. Why do you think Oregon wins this game? Is it because they're at home and the Ducks at Autzen Stadium? Every Oregon fan knows that is as tough a place as there is to play in the Pac-12 Conference. Salt Lake City's probably right behind it there at, at number two. But it, it's tough to beat the Ducks at home, but not impossible. Utah did it back in 2015, aided probably a little by Vernon Adams uh, at getting injured about halfway through the game and then... Uh, there was a, a special teams gap there as well from a coaching perspective, and that seems to be the case with, with Utah and Oregon. So we'll see if that plays a factor there. But I, I don't think Oregon wins because I don't think Bo Nix and Dan Lanning, though I find them uh, potentially to be upgrades schematically and performance-wise on the field from Mario Cristobal and uh, Anthony Brown, what they showed last year, especially in those Utah games, I just don't think that's enough even if it is an upgrade, I don't think it's enough to overcome 76 to 17. I mean, that's a that's a massive gap. And Lanning's a first-time head coach. Maybe in two years he could be, you know, more on, on Whittingham's level. But I mean, it's it's hard to go up against a guy who's got that much experience. And for me to get on here and say, yeah, I'm confident Oregon can get this win because I, I don't think they're going to get the win there. But you don't agree with that assessment, and why is that? You mentioned the number 76 to 17. That is a huge number to me because I think every single Oregon player who's still with that team knows that number. I think that's big for them. They know they need to get through Utah if they want to win the Pac-12. And I think those guys are going to remember it. I think they're going to come into that game no matter how their season is gone at that point. I think they're really going to become fired up. You mentioned it being at home as well. Eugene is absolutely one of the toughest places to play in the conference. And I think those two things will be the biggest things that come in. As I mentioned, I, I'm, I think Utah is going to come into this game rolling. I think they're a top five team in the country at this point. I personally think they're undefeated and everything's going right. It's all clicking. They're coming into that game. And as much as the coaches do their best to motivate you and tell you to lock in on this single game, I think there's going to be a couple guys on Utah who are like, man, we whooped this team twice last year by a score of 76 to 72 or 76-17 in two games combined. I wish it was 76-72. Yeah. That would have been a lot more fun. <laughs> but I think those a couple guys on Utah's team might be a little bit like, man, we, we got Oregon. They're not going to be a problem. And that's why I think the Ducks come in. I think they punch it in the mouth. I think they're going to play harder just in this game. I really think it's the timing is so big to me being late in the season as well, where I think Utah will have gotten some big wins, whether that's versus the Gators, whether that's versus UCLA, also versus USC at home. And as we kind of talked about to start, I just think it's so hard to go undefeated in a season. When you have a really good team like 
we talked about with Oregon's the same way as well. You can talk yourself into winning pretty much every game. I mean, the exception on your schedule, which you'll still have a chance to, is the Georgia one is obviously one where that's going to be incredibly hard to win. But outside of that game, I, I really feel like you guys can win any game. So you talk yourself into it. And of course, as a Utah fan, I think Utah could absolutely win this game. But when you got to find a game to lose, I really look at this Oregon game. I just think it's one of those games where but Junior Tafuna is a guy who had a lot of success against Oregon last year. He had one and a half sacks in their first meeting. And just in general, this Utah defensive line did a good job getting after Anthony Brown. And Oregon's offensive line is really good, so they might win the line of scrimmage. But this, to me, is one of those games where some pressure breaks through. And Bo Nix is just running around, scrambling, backyard football, making plays off his back foot, whether it's for first downs, whether it's for touchdowns. I really think this will be the signature Bo Nix performance. I just think this is where it comes together under the lights. He shows up. I think Dan Lanning is going to have a game plan really ready for this Utah team when he gets a feel for him. I do not think he's going to let them have the success rushing the ball that they did versus last year's Oregon team as well. And I think those two things together, the performance by Bo Nix and I think Dan Lanning as well, the defensive game plan is going to build together, is going to be too much for this Utah team to overcome that night in Eugene. Yeah, I, I would hope, I would really hope, and I think every Oregon fan out there listening or watching would feel the same way, that even if the personnel is arguably not quite as strong defensively as last year, there's still enough in place to where this the schematical upgrade that you should be getting in Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy compared to Mario Cristobal and Tim DeRuiter is enough to not allow Utah to score 76 points in two games at a rate of 38 per contest right I mean it shouldn't be at that number if it is that would be a little bit of a a concern for me not full-blown panic mode but wouldn't wouldn't make me feel great for sure when you look at Oregon JT Mm-hmm. And you look at the roster and the players they've added. You talked about Bo Nix, and I actually disagree with you about you know if they get pressure on him and it causes Bo to play backyard football. I think that's when Oregon would be in trouble. I think they have a better chance to win if they keep Bo Nix comfortable and, and let him make some, some relatively easy throws and not have to try and do too much where he can you know be a little uh, mistake prone. And you know hopefully that's a, that's a recurring theme throughout this season because he should be behind one of, if not the best offensive lines in the in the entire Pac-12 with a couple of preseason first team, all, per, all Pac-12 performers in Alex Forsyth and TJ Bass. And then you've got Ryan Walk on there, honorable mention, and then a bunch of other names who are just experiencing uh, good offensive linemen. But when you look at this Oregon roster and how it differs from last year, no Kayvon Thibodeau, no Verone McKinley. Those are big losses on the defense. You had Christian Gonzalez from Colorado. That's a nice addition in the portal. Offensively, you know, some question marks maybe about whether or not the youth will actually pop for the skill positions. There's a lot of talent, but there's a lot of inexperience too. As you look at it from a Utah fan, what worries you the most about Oregon that leads you to think that they'll be able to do enough to win this game? I think you hinted at the offensive line, and that's one thing definitely, especially being I talked about how those group those guys remember 70, 77 to 17. I think that offensive line, and they didn't have their best games against Utah. So I think that is one thing that does concern me. And just as someone who's a fan of Bo Nix, I think he's going to have definitely games where he gets pressured and he does exactly what you're talking about. He's going to turn the ball over a bunch. But from what I've seen, he usually has a game or two a year as well where there is pressure that gets through and he makes those throws. I'm looking at that LSU game 
game from last year where he's just running around all over the place, making plays all over the field. So Bo Nix is just one of those quarterbacks to me that if you catch him on a good day, then you're in trouble. And I think that's what makes me nervous. Now, if you catch him on a bad day, then you're in good position. But I think this is going to be one of those days for Bo Nix. That offensive line as well. I think you guys are going to run the ball really strong. I know you'd don't have die anymore, but I look at a couple of the guys you've been able to bring in as well and a couple of the returners too that I think the running game is going to be strong. I think you're going to have more success in the trenches than you did versus last year's game. I also look at Sewell on one of the best linebackers in the Pac-12 for you yeah. guys. and I think he he was really emotional after that game last year. He's another guy I think is going to get after it. I could see him having a signature performance against one of his brother's former t- teams as well. I know he's multiple brothers, but Nephi in this case, being his brother who went to Utah. I look at uh, Flo as well. If he's healthy, I mean, we know what a deadly linebacker duo that can be. I think those two guys go around making plays. And even though there's not a Thibodeau, Utah really keyed in on him and made sure to do a good job. I still feel like there's a couple guys that can have some nice plays, get get through, create that pressure as well. And I think there's some strong cornerback play as well. I know the safeties aren't as guaranteed for this team, but in general, I think this is just a really good Ducks team that I think will be in the top 15 when the season is all said and done. As I mentioned, when it comes to Utah, I think Utah will win the Pac-12. So if that happens, what I kind of see happening is Oregon beating them this game, going to the Pac-12 championship, Utah wins again. And then I see the Ducks win the bowl game. So to me, it's just this Ducks team is really talented. I really like the coaching. I think a lot of times when you're looking for wins in these rivalry games, it comes down to star players. And I think it's very realistic to think that Bo Nix and Sewell will be the two best players on the field whenever offense and defense are on for Oregon. You mentioned the offensive line, certainly going to be a strength for uh, the Ducks this year with the guys that I mentioned and uh, and others who, who I did not, like Big Sala, Dawson Jaramillo, Stephen Jones, who, who will certainly be up there and hopefully healthy uh, at that point in time. Forsyth missed uh, a good amount of time last year with some injuries, unfortunately, but a really, really good player. I believe he's on the uh, watch list for one of the best centers in uh, the country. He has become a real and a homegrown kid as well from uh, the Westland area, but as you look at Oregon's offensive line and you think about Utah's defensive line, how do you feel about the Utes uh, up front? Are you extra worried about Oregon's offensive line because of how you think the defensive line might match up? Or do you think it'll be a little bit like last year or there have been losses there? Like what's that unit looking like for the Utes? So in terms of just in general, I'll include front seven in this as well, because Devin Lloyd was a guy who would rush a lot. So his yeah, yeah, that's loss true. is going to be evident, especially on those third and long situations. Minka Tafu is another guy who was effective against Oregon. He's no longer there. And I think Van Fillinger and Junior Tafuna, two guys you got coming back who were both just freshmen last year, I think they're going to be one of the best pass rush duos in the Pac-12. But I mean, no, like I said, no one's great every game. And I feel like if you're going to have a bad game, it's going to be against this offensive line, especially with a couple of those guys, as I mentioned, remembering that Junior, arguably his best game of the season, came against this Oregon offensive line the first go around. And I think this is one of those games, really, when you look at Junior Tufuna winning Pac-12 freshman of the year defensively, that helped him solidify that award. I think the Ducks don't want to make that the case again. I also think when you're looking at this Utah team, the, I like the linebackers, Corinne Reed, Lander Barton. These are really good players, but Lander is only a true freshman. Even a guy like Mohamed Diabate, I think he is a guy that is, I like him better rushing the passer 
kind of that outside off-ball linebacker role than inside. I don't think he has the strength to necessarily shed offensive linemen if they come up and at him. So I think it's one of those things that's going to be an awesome battle to witness in the trenches on both sides. But I think Oregon's going to have a lot more success running the ball because of the offensive lineman's ability. You mentioned all those great players they have up there to get to the second level and create those rushing lanes. And I think that's where the concern comes from me is that if you want to beat a Utah team, you have to be really good in the trenches and especially along the offensive line. If you want to run the ball, control the clock and keep Cam Rising and company off the field. That was something that Utah did last year is one of the reasons Oregon fell behind, I felt like, was because they didn't get a lot of chances. Now, when they got those chances, they didn't get a lot to do with them, but they could not maintain a drive. And I think that's something that this Oregon team is going to be able to do against this Utah team because of the strength with their five guys up front. As you think about how this game could play out, and there are always a bevy of factors in play when uh, discussing a football game because it's uh, a very long event and there's so much that goes into it, so many players involved and whatnot. If you picture, if you were to picture a Utah win, I know you think Utah is going to lose this game. I think Oregon will will lose this game, but let's say Utah wins. Right. And your your prediction does not come to pass. And, and mine does. And we'll you know put the shoe on the other foot here uh, once you answer this question. But if Utah wins this game, what do you think it looks like? What would be sort of the, your big indicators that you'd be watching for ahead of the game that you see on that Saturday in November and say, yep, there it is. I think Utah's got a good chance here. I think if Utah opens the game up and marches down and scores, I think that's a bad sign for Oregon. Because to me, that means they establish the run right away. If you want to win against Utah, I really think the key is punching them in the mouth, making them play from behind, where I think Cam can still keep you in a game. But we know this Utah team, they want to establish the run. So if you let them get that confidence right away, I think that's going to be a real negative thing for Oregon. So if Utah is able to run the ball and then set up the play action game, I think that's where they could get in trouble. And also, let's say that first or second drive, Bo Nix throws an interception. That's something where, uh uh-oh, this might not be Bo Nix's day, and then you're in trouble. So I think those are the two biggest things for me, is Utah really being able, if they're able to establish the run really quickly, as well as force Bo Nix to make some mistakes, or you can just kind of tell early on that Bo Nix is off, then that's where, for me, I'll feel like, okay, Utah's got this. What about uh, the other way around, if, you know, and kind of what you maybe are, are expecting to see, right? If I told you ahead of time, Oregon's going to win this game. What do you think they, you know, are, are doing well or what goes their way? I think they pack the box. I think Tavion, whether it's Tavion, Jalen Glover, whoever's running, Cam Rising as well, I think they're getting nothing. I think there's getting a lot of pressure on Cam. And I think guys on the outside are having a really hard time winning one-on-one in those initial two to three seconds it'll take for that pressure to get back there. So I really think the offense, will, whether it's, let's say it's Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler, because this would be a really big game, they're on the call for it. They're going to be like, what a game plan by Dan Landing. We're going to be talking about the exotic blitzes that they're throwing at Utah. And Utah's offensive line is going to be trying to point, and they're going to be trying to figure stuff out because guys are coming from all over the place. They're struggling to pick it up. That's how I see it for Utah struggling offensively. And then I think defensively, like I mentioned, I think it's going to be Bo Nix thing where it's like, wow, look at the plays that Bo Nix is making as well as, man, this Utah team is struggling a little bit to stop the run. I think that'd be the two combination of things. But as I mentioned, I think even if Utah was able to hold the run game in check a little bit, I just think Bo is one of those quarterbacks where if you catch him on the right day, as I mentioned, if it's his day, then I think you're in trouble. So I think it's going to be those things, but you cannot let Oregon established the run as well. So I think whatever team ends up rushing for more yards in this game, honestly, will more than likely get the run. 
I, I was just going to ask you what you think the, the most essential stat in this game is. And I mean, Utah really dominated in all three phases last year. Oregon's offense had three points in the first half in Salt Lake City, and, and they were not able to sustain drives until, you know, one long touchdown in uh, the second half. But that was just not uh, that, that was not even close to to enough to what they were looking for. And uh, the special teams, of course. Again, that was a big weakness for Oregon last year, and Utah was actually the only team, I don't know if you knew this, that Camden Lewis could not kick against. Hopefully that's not the case for, for Oregon this season. It was just Utah that, that he struggled against, but the punt return from uh, Britton Covey at the end of the half as well, like it was really three-phase domination. That's why I just struggle to say that Oregon's going to win this game, even at home, because Yes, I, I think Dan Lanning can make changes, and he's talked a lot about a growth mindset, and I hope that that comes to fruition because it does need to happen for this Oregon football program. That's how we pronounce it here as Duck fans. Uh, it's program, not a program. Other t- other schools have programs. We have a program. And I, I think in order to get there, adjustments and upgrades have to be made in, in a schematic sense, in a coaching sense, and you know some discipline things on the field uh, as well in terms of execution. And I just can't see that all coming to fruition in in year one, right? Now, if you told me it happened in year two or year three, yeah, I, I would definitely believe that. But I just feel like year one is is asking so much of Dan Lanning and that staff because you had a team that it was it was a coaching mismatch, right? It was not a personnel mismatch, right? Not the way Oregon won games primarily in 2021, you know, against teams like Cal or Arizona, where they weren't even beating those teams schematically, really, because they were close games. But at the end of the day, you have better players, you have a, a deeper lineup of recruits, you know, waiting there to play, and you can get some more playmakers on the field and whatnot. It's not as if Utah has that gap, right? Utah's player development is excellent. Oregon has recruited at a higher level, but Utah is certainly from a roster standpoint right there with the Ducks going into 2022. But there's not some massive gap in in talent there, even, you know, at the quarterback position, even though Cam Rising is better than Bo Nix. It's not the Grand Canyon, so to speak, though I think Bo Nix is, you know, probably the fourth or fifth best quarterback going into this year in, in the Pac-12. And Cam Rising is probably second, in, in my view, behind Caleb Williams. Um, I, I think that there's, you know, the pieces are there for Oregon to win this game. But I just feel like that's a big turnaround to ask of a first-year staff and a first-time head coach. It 100% is. But I really feel like that Dan Lanning and this group are going to get a signature win this season. They're going to lose a game they shouldn't. Everyone does. Maybe they'll lose multiple games they shouldn't but I think they're going to get at least one signature win this year. And to me, this is the one where I look at where everything could line up perfectly for them. Even though it's, even though for Utah, you're looking at it like the scores that there were last year, still going into a hostile environment, an extremely tough place to play. And I just really feel like this is the night the stars align for Oregon and they get it done. And where people are really excited in the off season, talking about what Dan Lanning's starting to build here. And they'll be going, look, he beat Utah and he didn't even have a ton of his guys yet as they're just freshmen of these classes he's bringing in. So I, either way, this is going to be an incredible game to me. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Utah won, as I've kind of talked about, but I just think everything lines up for the ducks and they get the big win over the Utes and get a little bit of revenge for last year. 
I think this is uh, one of the few times, or at least I hope one of the few times, where Oregon fans are uh, listening to or watching the show and thinking, Spencer, you need to just shut up and let your guests talk all the time. <laughs> His name is JT Wistersill. He's the host of Locked On Utes, at JT Wistersill on uh, Twitter. And the show is on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to stay up to date with Utah football, go check him out over there. JT, appreciate you taking the time, man. Good to talk to you. Will not be the last time we have you here on Locked On Ducks. Thanks, Spencer. Always great coming on. And hey, I mentioned three and a half months out for this game. I already can't wait to have it, have you on our channel as well can't for wait. a preview. It's going to be awesome. Can not wait. Football can't get here soon enough. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.